So this is Matthew 2, verses 1 to 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who's been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he'd called together all the people's chiefs, priests, and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they'd heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Brilliant. Lovely. Thank you, Tay. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. So when, when do you stop doing that? Does anyone know? Still people still doing it? Anyone sent an email this week and still saying Happy New Year? So we have a little competition to see how long uh, you can say. And, and how do people feel about January? It's a rhetorical question. You don't have to answer me. But uh, I don't know if you, some of you are kind of quite relieved that January's come because... It's, it's routine again, isn't it? The kids, if you've got kids, they go back to school and you can breathe again. You know what day the bins go out and all those sorts of important things. You feel as a bit of routine. Where for others, January is like a bit sad, isn't it? A bit wintry and dull and depressing. And there is a day in January, I forgot the, the day, where it's officially the day that everyone's more depressed than normal, isn't it? There's a lot of nodding going on here. It's Blue Monday, it's called. So someone can Google it and um, we'll, we'll find out soon enough when it is. So, but it's like, it is like the most depressing day. So, so I don't know how you kind of feel about January, whether you think, this is lovely, I love January, I love a bit of routine, the bins, or whether actually you just think, it's a bit naff, really, January, and it kind of drags on a little bit. Well, unusually, the church, whoever the church is, I mean, I know it's us, but whoever makes these decisions, have had a brilliant and fantastic idea, which has put in the festival of Epiphany in January. And I know you're all thinking, what a brilliant idea. I know it was a brilliant idea. And the reason it's a fantastic idea is, if you think of January as this cold, dark, kind of a bit naff and very cold season, But actually, what the church has done is that actually in that context, what we want to be as God's people and what the church wants to display is what what the season of Epiphany is all about. And that's what we're going to be exploring. And I'm going to do that with three Gs. How many Gs, Freddie? Three. You remember that. Not BGs, three Gs. So the first G about Epiphany is glory, is glory. So one of the beautiful things about the whole season of Epiphany, which lasts throughout January, is simply this. It is all about the glory of God in Jesus. It is all about those glory moments. Have you ever had those moments in your life when 
sometimes God does something really amazing. You know, I know, I know I'm supposed to sound more like faith-filled than that and pretend it happens every minute of every day. But do you know what I mean? Those moments where, where actually God really does something and answers a prayer or touches your heart or changes a situation and you think, that, was, that had to be God. There's no other, there's no other way to explain it. it some, somebody nod. Let's just pretend we're a bit Pentecostal at least, okay? Let's just, because then we're finished quicker. Okay, so, so those moments. So the story of Epiphany is all, the, all about those glory moments. So what the church does is this. It takes all these stories. So it, it takes the story of the Magi, the wise men who thought they'd bring a newborn baby, some gold, frankincense, and myrrh, rather than nappies and lasagna and useful things. But it starts off with that story of these wise men. It then goes on to talk about the baptism of Jesus. When Jesus got baptized, it says, the heavens opened and the glory of God appeared. And God spoke, you are my son, with you I am well pleased. So glory happens. Out of nowhere, um, suddenly something happens. And then we look at the most famous and Sarah's favourite miracle, another's favourite miracle, which is water into wine, which we're all still trying to do. And then we look at that, we think Jesus takes this ordinary moment where actually we're just drinking water and suddenly wine appears out of nowhere. And then we're looking at stories where Jesus walks up to people and says, you look a little bit, you know, you look all right, but you can have such much more exciting life if you follow me. And he calls people and calls people and calls people and suddenly their lives are being changed, like every one of us. You Hopefully you feel and experience that tug, that calling of Jesus on your life saying come and follow me and let's have an adventure let's do something and we look at the calling of Jesus and then we go up to the mountain we look at the transfiguration where Jesus gets all dazzly and white it's all very exciting and 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 glittery and it's transformed in the presence of Moses and Elijah and and something wonderful happens that is epiphany and what epiphany teaches us and reminds us and what our prayer is for each and every one of us in this dull dreary January which sounding very depressed about January, aren't I? Uh, but in this January kind of month, as it were, that actually we want it to be filled with those little glory moments of Jesus, those glory moments where we really see God at work, where he takes just the mundane, the everyday, and turns it into something special and wonderful so we feel alive again. We feel like light in darkness. We feel warmth in that cold place. We feel like that, that we're, you know, we've had our ready break. We are glowing more than normal. There's something wonderful happening in us because we're in epiphany season it's these glory glory moments that God wants to give so if you're like me and sometimes your life doesn't feel very glorious and it feels a bit like putting out the bins and and getting stressed and feeling like there's an email I haven't replied to somewhere or a whatsapp group I haven't done a thumbs up to or whatever if you're a bit like me and you have those moments where you sort of worry all the time epiphany's coming here to rescue us and to remind us and to show us say actually life is all about these little glory moments and my prayer and for ourselves as top church and my prayer also for us as individuals but right across our lovely little town of Dudley is simply this that everyone will have some glory moments because we need it don't we when you put around people look so depressed all the time you know not in here I mean you look like a bundle of laugh but but when you put around you know and you want people to see these glory moments where God turns up and does stuff so that's my kind of prayer and that's my challenge for all of us have a little prayer that later on we're going to be praying where we're going to be praying for God to have some glory moments in our lives where we feel like you know, it might be January, but my word, let's just rename it Epiphany. Let's just do it. It's Epiphany Month. It's the seventh of Epiphany today. You have to be very careful, don't you, with saying things. Uh, but that's, that's really, let's, what else have I got here? Yes, uh, that's the other thing about Epiphany. That's one of the wonderful things. So that's what we're going to be praying for. Then the next G, because remember how many Gs were there, Freddie? Two Gs, not three BGs. Two Gs. The next G is guidance. That's the one, is guidance. And you notice, particularly in the story of the Magi, in, the, in these, um, they, 
they weren't three wise men. They kind of, you know, they, because three gifts, we think it's, it was wise, wise men. But there are these magi who came from the east and wanted to discover all about Jesus. And right underneath, behind, and kind of flowing through all the kind of epiphany stories from Jesus again dazzling on the mountain, from uh, the baptism to John the Baptist and Jesus calling people and all these things. Throughout all of it is underlining it is guidance. It's guidance. God is guiding, guiding, guiding his people. Now, in January here, anyone got any New Year's resolutions? How's it all going? No, 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 we're all too old and cynical here now, aren't we, to, to do something like that. Well, those are the days when we were young. Uh, but, but one of the things that happens in January is that we all start to look for God's guidance, don't we? We all kind of hope and pray. We think whether that's the guidance to how to sustain being at the gym or how to eat less or actually real guidance of what, God, what are you saying to, in my life? Where do you want me to be? Who do you want me to be? What, what can I do for you this year? That's that sense of perspective. And all the way through the story of the Magi, you see God's guidance at work. And you see it in quite, I'm um, going to use a sort of posh old word, a kind of providential manner, in a way of things coming together. And as things come together, there's a sense of, oh yeah, God, God did that. God guided that. And if you're like me, sometimes, particularly the beginning of the year, you just could do with a little bit of guidance. You know, you could just say like, God, are you, am I making the right decision here? Is this really where you want me to be? Do you really want me to be at top? Ch-? I mean, uh, you know, what is, what is God saying? What is that sense of guidance that's, go, that's going on? So in the story of the Magi, you have all these different bits of guidance going on. You've got this star that miraculously appears is somehow pointing to a star. Don't ask me how. But anyway, that, you've, got the, you've got the star going on. And so the Magi then, they think, they work it out. They think, well, that means there's a king being born. And that's kind of what they thought in those days. So off they went there. And then they went to see King Herod. That was a mistake, wasn't it? But they went to see him anyway. Not, there's not much wisdom in these men, are there? But <laughs> nothing ever changes. And um, so they went to see Herod and then they, Herod got all the kind of scriptures out and said where's this new king going to be born and they referred to the scriptures and they're going to be in Bethlehem and then they see the star again because it popped off for a bit and it came back and there, there it is and they went to the stable and then they saw Jesus and they worshipped him and then they had a dream and went back a different way but you see all the way through this and all the way through all the other epiphany stories God's guidance is at work working through circumstances, working through scriptures, working through people. It's a wonderful, wonderful moment. And God always guides moving feet. He can't guide feet that are staying still. So if our hearts are moving towards God, if we've got that sense of God, what is it you want from me this year? How are you guiding our church for this year? How are you guiding our church for the future? How do you want to use my gifts and my skills for this season of life for Epiphany? Because it's the seventh of Epiphany already. Time is flying by. Then you're praying for that. That's what we're praying for. That's what the gift of Epiphany is all about. It's about God's guidance. And January is a kind of a natural time, isn't it? When you're seeking God for what what he wants to do uh, with you next. And if that's you, then we're praying for you. And pray for uh, one another as well. We're seeking God's guidance of where do you want me? What do you want me to be doing? And that's part of the the gift of Epiphany. And I, I imagine in the room there are those who are just gently seeking God for next steps or, or ways of being in the world, just trying to hear what it is it you want for me, God. And the last G, because there are three Gs, is, is a G. I kind of forced the G into it, okay, because I couldn't think of politics with a G didn't work, is it? No. So geopolitics, just if you don't know what geopolitics is, it's just politics but with a G, okay? Geopolitics. So, so here's, the really, here, here's, the, here's the fascinating thing about this story. So, so if, if you're a bit like me, and I, I grew up in church, and um, I, when I became Anglican, I got very confused that the, the wise men came after. 
So, like, because I thought they all came at once, but they came after because Jesus was a, was a child, it says. So, so they popped in a couple of years later, they decided they're a little, running a bit late, had things to do, and so on. But, but, but what's really going on is I used to think this is a really quaint, sweet story. And when Tay read it, it's a lovely story, isn't it? It kind of like warms your heart a little bit because you remember the nativity or you kind of just remember Christmas and it all feels nice again, doesn't it? And uh, what have you. But really, there is a whole geopolitics kind of, I just say, political drama going on here. Now, one of the things I'm loving here about Top Church is this, is that I think we're beginning to see when we read the Gospels, we're not reading just a spiritual text. We're not just reading a, a text that just speaks to us from God to us and isn't that lovely. We're not just kind of reading a text about doctrine, about what's the right thing to believe and the wrong thing to believe, so we're on the right side and every other church is wrong. What we're discovering is we're reading a political text, Okay, and by that I don't mean it will tell you who to vote for this year, but hopefully that's obvious. But, but I'm, not, uh, I'm not saying that. But what it's trying to say is that you all think, who does he vote for? Uh, I have no idea, but do you like my red top? Um, so, but <laughs> well, anyway, it will be more green. But anyway, but, but what we're doing when we're reading the Bible is we're reading a political text. Okay? It's not just a quaint story. It's not just a spiritual story. It's a highly political story. So... Did you get what was going on here? Okay, So it's set in the Roman Empire, the whole Bible New Testament story, Okay, where you have a, a military dictatorship ruling over a whole, a whole empire, a whole set of land. Okay, And the best way a military dictatorship rules is if you set up your own, if you choose someone from amongst the country that you're ruling to be the leader. So, for example, let's say London, that big city down south, suddenly decides it's going to take over Dudley. Okay, perish the thought. And if they want to rule Dudley and they want more taxes from Dudley, the way they do it is they would choose a local Dudley person, Melissa, to rule over Dudley. And uh, uh, so you'd be in charge, Melissa. That'd be a laugh. And, uh, but if you choose a lo- because local people tend to trust local people. They wouldn't trust a southerner like me, but they would trust you know, a, a local person. And, and that's how it worked in those times. So they chose somebody who was, uh, so Herod was a part of the Jewish tradition, part of, uh, would identify as a Jew. And they chose someone who had the right lineage to be like their puppet kind of governor of that whole area. So that is King Herod. And Herod loved Rome because Rome had given him money. So he used to build loads of things, you know, when governments love building things. And he would kind of try and shore up his status and his position and his power. So he was in charge, okay? He was the king. You don't mess with Herod. And he was, you can read texts outside of scripture. He was a hideous king. The number of people he crucified and killed was horrendous. So he was not a nice man. He was in charge. He was in charge. And then when he died, it went to his three sons and, and, and the, rest, the rest of his history and so on, which is a podcast you could listen to as well, rest of his history. And so what happens with Herod is this. The wise men come along and they said, there's a king being born. And immediately there's a political drama going on. There's King Herod saying, thinking he's the king. And then he's hearing that there's another king to be born, a baby to be born. And that's the real king. No, straight away you have this political drama. And the first thing you notice is this, is that people from other nations are involved in the drama. People from other nations are coming to worship. The hope of Roman Empire was this, that they would unite the whole of the Roman Empire under one emperor. So the the emperor was called Prince of Peace. You may have heard of that before. That's what the emperor was called, Prince of Peace, okay? And And they thought you get to have peace and togetherness 
uh, and political unity through the sword, okay, through threat of violence and things like that. And suddenly they were hearing about another king that was coming. And this king, you'd get it through worship and through peace and through love and goodness and the redistribution of wealth. There was a new king and this King Jesus and other nations were getting involved with it. Now, I don't want to be too political, but you imagine these, you know, they came by camels, you know, stop the camels. You know, you, you could see a new kind of thing going on here. They're, they're trying to push away these people from other nations, people who are different, people from different backgrounds. And when Jesus comes along on the scene, suddenly he unites and gathers and draws people together. It's a wonderful thing. There's a new king in town, and Herod is kind of feeling threatened by it straight away. And suddenly wonderful things begin to happen, and a new drama begins to be uh, played out. We see other nations uh, to, to go on. And so this is the interesting thing about Jesus, is this. It, what's the time, by the way? Because we, we've got to finish at some point, haven't we? Yeah. This is, the, this is the really interesting thing about, there's lots of interesting things about Jesus. But, but if Jesus, if his main, I'm nearly done, Kath. If his, uh, she gets fed up with these talks. She is every week. Uh, if, she's doing the kids' food. Um, so if, if Jesus was just a, I don't mean just in a bad way, but if his only message was to love one another, you wouldn't get killed for that, because kind of that's nice, isn't it? If, but his mess, if his message was just worship God, well, maybe you get killed for that, but, but it's kind of okay. His message was very political. His message was a threat to King Herod, because he's, Jesus speaks of the, being the king of another kingdom. Jesus speaks about being a ruler, a shepherd ruler. Jesus speaks about a way of being in the world that distributes wealth and that shares love and justice and goodness. So when Jesus comes along, he's threatening the status. He's threatening the Roman Empire. He's saying to the government, there's a different way of doing things, and it's like this. And it's like now, as you enter kind of time and space, and you get into your TARDIS, and you end up in this age, now the church is Jesus to the government. Now as a church, we try to reflect and show that there's a different way of doing life than the one of threat of violence and, and high taxes and all these sorts of things. There's this wonderful way of doing life, which is the life of Jesus. So in this epiphany season, we have these glory moments. In this epiphany season, we have God's guidance, but we also have a bit of politics going on. And this year, in 2024, is the year where there's more... more um, general elections across the world than there's ever been before. So if there is a year we need to be across different nations, if the year we need to be praying for our political leaders, it's this year. If Epiphany reminding us anything, that our message is political, that it impacts the way we live and care for others. So let's be praying for our political leaders. I can't believe it's, an, it's not an easy job. But also let's just be aware that as we follow Jesus, we follow a slightly different king, a slightly different way of being in the world than the one that's on offer through Herod and all his ancestors since then.